Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You're listening to Book Club Babes. Let's get into it. Today we're lucky enough to interview Frida Abike Iamide, author of Ace of Spades. Thanks for joining us, Frida. Thanks for having me. Just to to start, um, Angeline Booley reached out today and she wanted us to say congrats to you on being on the New York Times um, bestseller list for 12 weeks. Woohoo, congrats. She's so lovely. <laughs> yes, she is. She was saying the exact same thing um, about you. She was yes. so excited that for us that we were being, uh, had the opportunity to um, interview you. Yeah, yeah. That's she so actually lovely. she actually recommended your book to us so that's how we got on to ace of spades which is kind of full circle yeah, yeah it is and firekeeper's daughter is amazing oh, oh it's yes. so good good all right well, well let's get into it here we go um i'm kate by the way and i'm Chantel. hi <laughs> if you can hear the difference in our voices um so i'm going to start with the first question i'm not sure if you've been asked this a lot i couldn't i tried to do a little research but where does the reference ace of spades come from so i like just love the idea of um, matching the game of the book to like an actual game in real life okay um, at first but then i was doing more research into the actual card and i just loved the the kind of um imagery and the the meaning behind it as well like right. in some um cultures or in some like spaces it's seen as the power card um but also I love that it was like a black and white card and how that kind of mirrored the themes in the book um and also the actual like term a spade is kind of a derogatory word that has been used for black people historically so just there were so many things that kind of tied it to what I wanted to say in the book and I thought it was really interesting Definitely. That's so interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's a deeper insight into that. Mm-hmm. Um, as we were reading the book, um, we found it hard to trust like anybody <laughs> in this book. We were pretty much just like, don't talk to anybody <laughs> yeah. except each other. Yeah. Um, where we were so back and forth on, ter- on Terrell um, specifically, was that intentional in your writing? Uh, yeah, I kind of wanted everyone to feel like um like scary almost because mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes that's how things feel when you're like a black teenager um and uh, or just a teenager in general you don't know if you could trust your friends um and so I wanted it to feel that way but also I have been interested in like people's reactions to Terrell and the <laughs> ending in particular I was wondering what did you guys think of Terrell in the end loved him we loved him yeah, yeah. we loved him we were like the whole time we were like, what's his deal? Yeah, We yeah. figured there was something going on. And then I really love how that Devin and Terrell and she all came together and had like formed a genuine friendship and yeah. connection. And I love how Terrell and Devin ended up together in the epilogue. Um, it really made things come full circle. Yeah. It was really nice. 
um, wrap up. We wish everybody would do a 16 years later. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things about Terrell too, for me personally, I really liked him Mm -hmm. during the entire time of reading, like when he's, when we're introduced to him and then his relationship with Devin. But I was so, like you said, I was so nervous to actually admit that I liked him in case he turned out to be bad. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, speaking of Terrell, speaking of Terrell <laughs> what was up with the alien um, graphic on Terrell's sweater? Did this have any sort of symbolism? I just think he's a weird person. And so it would have been just a random thing I probably thought of when I was like writing that he should have an alien hoodie. And also I feel like um, there's a scene where Devon, I think, compares his face to the alien hoodie. Right. I really like that um, Terrell was like, not conventionally attractive um, because I feel like, you know, when you're watching teen shows, everyone is like perfect. And mm-hmm. like are these 25 year olds playing 16 year olds mm-hmm. and um, they haven't got any acne or anything. And so I really wanted to kind of highlight that Terrell's like a weirdo. So. Yeah. I love, love that. Love that. Yeah. And we also wanted to know, because it was kind of um, we, we kind of pieced it all together at the end. Um, who actually saved Devin when he um, attempted to die by suicide at the ocean? Um, so it was Terrell. Um, okay. I think people it was, thought it was, it was, yeah, some people thought it was Andre, um, but yeah, it was Terrell. Um, and it kind of, um, it kind of links back to the way he views Terrell as well. So um, yeah, I, I found it like interesting seeing what people, people's theories were. Yeah, we were kind of between, we weren't sure if it was Jack, if it mm-hmm. was Devin, or sorry, not Devin, if it was Terrell, yeah. or if it was, like you'd said, Andre, yeah. that was another yeah. Yeah. good option. But um, yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so it was Terrell. Does, I'll maybe just ask a quick little question. Um, does Devin actually, um, sorry, does Terrell and Devin actually end up discussing this later or does he figure that out on his own? Mm-hmm. Kind of, he was kind of having recovered. Trauma, yeah. yeah, he was kind of having like almost recovered memories um, as he got to know Terrell. I think um, they definitely have a conversation much later because uh, I had to actually write a short story for the UK version of the book. Um, there was like an exclusive edition, and um, unfortunately, it's sold out now. But the in the story, it takes place like three months after the book, and. Terrell is like very aware that Devon is like depressed. And so um, there is like Terrell's think because there's a perspective from Terrell um, in the short story. So um, he's thinking to himself that like, you know, I don't want to mention it and like trigger him, but like, I know he's depressed. And so I want to try and like lighten the mood a bit. Okay. Um, that we'll have I'm to try to, have to get our hands try on that. and get our yeah. hands on that yeah. for sure. That's oh, awesome. Okay, cool. Um, all right, we know that Chiamaka was loosely based off of Blair Waldorf. Um, was there a Gossip Girl character that Devin resembled in your mind as well? Yeah, um, Dan Humphrey is kind of, of who I thought of. Even though Dan is a bit like creepy um, and um, not a very nice person and definitely not as poor as he led us to believe. Right. Um, he definitely, the dynamic between the two is definitely inspired by Dan and Blair. Yeah. I thought so. You're yeah. right on yeah. with that yeah. for sure. I actually loved that. Yeah, it was great. Um, another question that we were wondering about was, 
Did you always know that you were going to kill Jamie off or did that happen um, organically while you were writing? I love this question because actually it happened much later in the writing process. Um, I ended the book in a completely different place originally. And while I was like working on it with my editor in the UK, because I got my UK deal first, um, we kept on thinking something bigger has to happen. And so I started thinking about um, adding in like, the fire to the school and like the ball scene and stuff. And as it was happening, like when I was thinking to myself, what could I do to like expand the story or make it feel even more satisfying? Um, And I was like, I think I could kill Jamie. Mm -hmm. And I was scared that my editor would be like, oh, death in this way is very, um, it's too dark for YA. So I told her about it over the phone and I was just like, yeah, I can maybe kill Jamie and um, I like it's not like it doesn't have to happen I'm just like suggesting it and she just screamed yes kill that kill that man I just she hates him so much yes yes Yes. he sucks so much he's the worst (laughs) I it was satisfying as a reader to read that like and it was interesting um she's reaction as well because you can you can empathize with her how it would be so complicated yeah, and I love how, mm-hmm, sure. how intuitive Devin was about mm-hmm. knowing what she needed that was a really beautiful yeah, moment that, as that was well. really well written in that whole um like you had said that Devin understood what yeah. she needed in yeah. that moment yeah Jamie had to go <laughs> he had to go <laughs> um and then this was also something that bugged me, not bugged me, but like was always in the back of my head while I was reading, um, that always made me seem suspicious of Terrell was that Terrell wanted to tell Devin, um, something after detention, but he never did. Was it that he was trying to tell him that he was approached by Nevius? Yes. Okay. 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 All right. That's really like, um, I wanted to kind of drop that in there because, um, at the end of the day, I feel like some people have been angry at Terrell and like felt like he didn't deserve to be forgiven because um, he betrayed Devon. But like at the same time, um, I feel like it really made Terrell feel guilty and he was kind of constantly trying to think what's like, what's the best course of of action? Because um, on one hand, he wants to tell Devon what's going on so that he can leave this place. But on, on the other hand, he's like, they said that they would hurt him if Devon knew. So he's kind of trying to figure out ways to help him without like making his life in jeopardy. Yes. Yeah. And and in a way too, that I feel like personally that gives Terrell um, like a softer side as well. Just that kind of shows how much he actually cared about Devin so -hmm. much so that he didn't want to expose himself up front and like be the good person because he was worried about protecting him. Mm Mm-hmm. He's yeah. a good guy all along. Yeah. Um, okay. This one. So Jack's character was one that I personally struggled with a lot. Um, if Devin and Jack never went to Nevius, do you think Jack would have turned on him eventually? Or was Jack's character more of a representation of systematic racism? Um, I feel like Jack probably would have turned on Devon in different ways, mm. not, not in this huge way, probably, but like, mm. I think he was already turning on Devon when Devon came out to him. Yes. Um, but also, I think it would have just showed up in some other way. I've always noticed that with people I've been friends with who um, have like a bias um, and um, haven't unpacked like their privilege. 
right. it always comes about in some way. And Jack was like inspired a lot by someone I knew in my first year of university who was like, he's a white person mm-hmm. and they'd actually never met a person of color in their life because they came from a small Scottish town. Okay. Um, and so even though that was the case, they really um, were a really good friend to me until um, like it got, it got to a point where, you know, always come, something always happens and you realize that there is like a limit to which people can be allies to you. Right. Um, and so even though Devon and Jack grew up together, there was a limit for Jack. Like Devon had to be straight. Um, and he also just had to be understanding that he had to be understanding of Jack basically wanting to move up in a very nasty way. Like I right. think at the end, Jack really thinks that you know um what he's done isn't all that bad and he would have probably wished that Devon understood that and I think he thinks he has a worse situation than Devon because he's yeah. also so yeah that that part in the book where mm-hmm. they were they had their confrontation was so awful yeah yeah that was that was a hard one mm-hmm. um we wanted to kind of know about how far ACES really goes. For example, we see that it branches out beyond the school with the reporter and Bell saying that there are other schools. Um, are there other social, social eugenic societies that are also called Ace of Spades or would they be um, called different like things mm-hmm. across the country mm-hmm. that this is set in? So I feel like it would be um some of them would be called ace of spades and some would like have a different name um depending on that like specific um country's history maybe i really think of this as a global project um and it's based on real life situations that have happened in like old white institutions Mm -hmm. um and like societies i feel probably do exist at these like institutions um and so i imagine that like if it's say in england it would have a different name and probably a different like um setup as well if it's say in australia same thing right. so like i just kind of had that idea of it being kind of um they're almost all in like cahoots but like they all have their own methods like their own cohort Ugh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the evolution of the friendship between Chiamaka, Devin, and Terrell. Did you start your writing process with the end goal of them having such a genuine friendship? Or was that kind of just organically like happened upon? Uh, so like one of my favorite things and tropes in like um books and TV are like um platonic friendships and platonic soulmates. Mm-hmm. And so um I really wanted them to become um close at the end but as I was writing um and seeing how much kind of their situations parallel each other in a very specific way I thought that um making them become like almost like each other's blanket just felt really really nice um and a nice ending to everything that goes on in the book so I really wanted them to come together and almost just be like um each other's safe space in the end um and so yeah that's it kind of was a, a thing that kind of unraveled during the writing process but I did start off wanting it to be uh, a platonic like um closeness yeah I love that I love how you said like be each other's blanket yeah that's so sweet yeah um this is a question that I'm not sure about this is my theory but I don't know um did Terrell set Nevius on fire <laughs> did he 
No, I wish he did though. Oh. Uh, that would have been so cool. I just fit so well because he like came in later when Chi mm-hmm. and Devin were on stage and mm-hmm. he showed up at all. And yeah. I was like, yeah, did he do it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, like we were mentioning before, um, we love a good epilogue and this one checked all the boxes. All for the boxes. <laughs> um, was it important, important to you to have that full circle ending where it showed how far that they have progressed and what, um, they achieved? Yeah, I think, um, because obviously the story's main theme is kind of racism. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't really fix racism in like, a short number of years I think it's going to take like a very very long time and so I wanted to show their personal wins and what they personally have succeeded to do um and how like despite what has happened they were able to live kind of happy lives in the Mm -hmm. end um I think that especially after everything that goes on in the book it was so important for me to show just them thriving in their way own way even though racism still exists mm-hmm. and so um yeah it was very important to me to me to just like really highlight the fact that you know um like we're not doomed like um even though racism is so pervasive and everything um we can still thrive in society and still kind of accomplish our dreams I think when I was when I was 16 and I was finding out about like the history of like the world and how black people have been um treated throughout history and even in the present I was I just felt so like lost and like sad because I just felt like it was it was just like a dead end thinking of anything happy right. and then um I just as I grew up and I realized that that wasn't the case I was like okay I need to kind of write this for like any teenager feeling this way um and feeling like it's just impossible to actually get a happy ending um given everything that goes on in life that is miserable and just awful Right. right. Well, Chiyomaka's character is an amazing role model. Yeah. I, I loved yeah. her character for yeah. sure. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the Underground Society and Ruby Bridges Academy? Uh, yes. So the Underground Society is kind of like um, Devon and Chiyomaka's attempt to um, almost like stop like Nivius and institutions like Nivius directly um, because obviously there's so much going on in the world in terms of racism and so many things to like change and so I feel like all of us need to kind of do something in our own way and this is kind of um, where they're attacking like educational um, racism like academic racism and stuff like that so um, they're kind of looking for institutions with um, similar patterns to Nevius and um, basically providing black students with an alternative where they can like still get because obviously in Chimaka's Chimaka's kind of um, point of view she probably could have gone to any really good school like any private school because she has a wealthy background but people like Devon um, it kind of was seen as like almost um, a lifeboat so giving them like an alternative um, to these like really harmful institutions. Um, and that was kind of born out of me wishing I had like a safe space at university in terms of um, like a different university I could have attended that was just a set up to protect black students. Um, because when you go to university, especially in the UK and 
um, other places like the UK, there aren't any historically black universities. Okay. I really wish I could have gone to like um, one of the universities in America because I didn't know they existed until later, but it just sounds so cool to have a historically black university. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, all universities are mostly just like very old institutions. Like my university that I just graduated from, um, I think it's older than like like the United States as like a- Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so that's like how it is. Like um, just these very old institutions that are very violent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really wanted to show like a, a safe space for Black people. Um, but also like with the Ruby Bridges Academy, I kind of wanted to- nod at like um Ruby Bridges who was like a a person who is a person I think she's still alive um and she um she attended I don't know if she was the first black person to attend um a school after like segregation was like you know in, in America was like lifted but um she definitely is one of like the figureheads of like black education and stuff so I really wanted to have a nod at her and stuff um but also I really just love the idea of um, like Devon and Chiamaka setting up an institution together after mm-hmm. everything they've been through. So I really wanted to just show progress in some way, um, even though progress hasn't been made overall. Definitely. You, che- you, you um, illustrated that very well. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, this is the last book specific question that we have. But as um, a fellow tea drinker myself, I'd like to know which character you would go to tea with. Um, that's such a good question. Um, I feel like Chimaka would insult me because I um, I don't dress properly. <laughs> good. And I think Devon is very like emo, and so he'd probably bring down the mood. And so um, I think I would go with Terrell. You'd go with Terrell. Nice. Yeah. Follow up. What is your favorite tea? I like breakfast teas. Okay. I'm not sure if they're like the same in the US. Um, I don't know what you would call them, like black teas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love an Earl Grey. So I can. I don't like Earl Grey, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't have tea no, together. Sorry. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, so we're going to move on to some more writing specific questions, if that's okay with you. Yes, that's fine. Perfect. Okay. So our first question, um, the plot line in Ace of Spades had so many working parts and different elements involved. How did you keep track of it all? And did you have everything kind of mapped out prior to writing or did things just evolve naturally? Um, so I am a like heavy outliner I think mm-hmm. my outline for Ace of Spades was over 10,000 words oh my goodness um, yeah it was really really long and so I kind of like had my word documents side by side and I was like writing and looking at the outline at the same time so I spent a few weeks outlining Ace of Spades that's why I think I was able to work with so many things happening at the same time mm-hmm. but also you have an editor they also watch out for things and she also had her own list of things that were going on and um I was looking for places to add new things because I think a lot of authors can like um, relate to this but for some reason our subconscious like leaves plots behind that we had not previously like written or planned to write and then we go back and we realize that all along our subconscious was like 
setting something up that could be really cool so right I just picture like those maps where like the serial killer maps with all the strings and the (laughs) pins that's you like figuring it all out oh my goodness This is a question from one of our listeners. Um, Her name is Summer. She asks, bullies often target others based on race, gender, sexuality, or socioeconomic status. In the book, it was made clear that race was the sole reason that Chi and Devin were targeted. For example, Chi was not targeted for being a girl because Devin was also targeted. Devin was not targeted for being poor because she was also being targeted, etc. Did you intentionally remove all commonalities between Chi and Devin so that race was the primary link between the two? Actually, I think that um, there was, like, they were being bullied for other reasons, but it's, like, obviously not, like, um, as clear when racism is, like, the the really strong driving force um, because they were bullied in very specific ways, um, like with Chiamaka, there's constantly misogynoir going on, like mm-hmm. on the undertones of the kind of text messages. Like in some of the messages, you can see like Aces only mentions the girls in the messages. Like when he's trying to embarrass Chiamaka, um, the Aces only mentions Chiamaka and Belle's name. They don't mention Jamie's name in the whole thing. So it's very much like sexist in that sense. Um, or even the way they're trying to, target Chiamaka in terms of um, like her body and like exposing that and what that means to the black girl. Um, and then with Devon, um, he's kind of targeted in a way where they're, they're kind of um, constantly belittling him in a very like specific way. And so it's kind of subtle, but I think that you can never remove like these aspects of like people's identities when you're targeting them or singling them out um, because they are like Devon the first message is about his sexuality so even though it's racially motivated it's kind of mm-hmm. all always moving together because you know you can't you can't take away those parts of yourself um when you're like moving through the world as a person that has intersecting identities definitely yeah and I mean even in the beginning of your book it wasn't um it wasn't super prominent that it was about racism to begin with mm-hmm. right like it was just as if they were being picked on yeah for these things so that's yeah that's a good point um in your first book you have taken on some strong topics racism homophobia classism and sexism why was it important for you to write this story uh so when I was uh growing up I kind of started to learn about like feminism and classism and all these things like in the later years of my teenagehood um I read a lot of like feminist texts for the first time. And I was learning about like female empowerment and the history of like just feminism and everything, um, specifically like um, black feminism. And then I was reading books by like people like Malcolm X for the first time. And I was a very like political, politically like inclined teenager because mm-hmm. I think I'd spent so many years not realizing how much of the world was messed up. And then when I was 16, something happened and I just started getting so angry about everything. And I wanted to only read about like texts like that. So I kind of wrote a space for my teenage self that really wanted um, kind of an empowering book, but also a book that discussed things that I wasn't being taught in school. Um, and so part of it is just me trying to 
um, talk about things that often schools don't want to talk about um, for many reasons. Um, I know some schools don't want to upset parents. Uh, some schools, you know, there's literally bans in mm-hmm. like the state saying that they can't talk about certain things um, or some teachers are just not equipped to talk about things. So um, yeah, I really wanted to almost like give people an introductory lesson into different aspects of like identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I also wanted to just show people being fully human and complex. Like all of us, um, we have multiple things that we're going through constantly. Like um, I can't separate being a woman from being black. Um, I can't separate like my religion from myself. Like I'm a Muslim. So it's just kind of like just showing how complex people can be um, and how all our identities come together at once. And we're not just one thing at one time. I actually really love that. And I really loved how you dealt with um, when Chi and Belle were sort of having their romance you didn't, um, it didn't seem like it was a big deal and the way that it shouldn't have been. Like Mm -hmm. people should love who they love and you did Mm -hmm. that really beautifully. So Mm -hmm. that was awesome. Thank you. Um, We know that you have a second book in the works. Can you reveal much about it? Um, So the second book I'm currently working on is, um, it's like set in a boarding school and it focuses more on friendships and um, has more feminist themes and the main character is black and Muslim like myself and um, it's just basically about kind of um, things that go on in schools and sexism and more secret societies probably not as dark as this but um, just kind of it's, it's um, heavily inspired by a scandal that took place in the UK a few years ago um, I don't know if you ever heard of the Warwick University scandal um, sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. Yeah, basically uh, in Warwick, uh, so university in, in England, um, it was revealed that there was a boys group chat where they were posting things about girls and it was really awful. And a lot of boys got suspended okay. um, and um, it kind of like sparked almost like a, not a movement, but like a lot of people were coming forward about the boys in their schools. Right. Um, and then again, last year, I think, or was it early this year? The, the time is just really hard right now because of oh. um, quarantine. Yes. But, um, a woman in the UK was killed um, and she was just walking home alone. Yes. And um, it sparked a movement where people in high school, like women in high school, girls were coming forward about the boys in their schools and the things that they go through every day. And so I, I'm kind of like writing a story about kind of the power dynamics in schools um, and the things that boys get away with. I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, why was it so important to keep the um, setting of the school so ambiguous? Like we didn't really have a setting of a country or anything like that, um, like a t- even a town No, it's just like the yeah. ocean that yeah. we knew about and the yeah. school. <laughs> so... Um, I was just wondering why it was important to you. Yeah, so um, with Ace of Spades, when I was writing it, I, I definitely had like the teenage, like American voice in my head because um, those are kind of the shows you grew up watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was inspired by like shows like Gossip Girl. And so I really wanted to have that like um, that vibe. But at the same time, um, I wanted it to be ambiguous because 
I really wanted to highlight the fact that racism is a global problem. Um, like a lot of people in the UK and Europe, they're very adamant that racism is an American thing. Um, like you'll go through an, like you'll go through racism in, in Europe and they'll be like, that's not a thing here. Um, and yeah, I just really wanted to like highlight the fact that this is not something that can be pinned on a specific country or town or like city or anything. It's just like a global thing that can take place anywhere and is taking place anywhere. Um, like if you, if you read the history of what's going on to um, the indigenous people in um, Australia, or if you see what's happened in South Africa historically, and even now, um, if you look at like the history of like the United Kingdom, um, and people often forget that uh, people, like the white people in America that like started all of this were mm. European. Um, and it's just kind of weird that that's a race stuff often. People just kind of act like America just has always been this way. Um, so I really wanted to highlight that, that racism is just global. I think that that was um it came across that mm-hmm, way like mm-hmm. uh, it could have been anywhere it could have yeah. been anywhere yeah. exactly what was the most challenging part of writing ace of spades i think because so many things are constantly going on to make an edit to like a section would mean mm. that something else would just like yeah. become <laughs> so hard like um i had to rewrite the entire third act at one point oh and God. um I just remember sitting in my room and I started crying because oh. like, there's no way <laughs> that this is not going to affect every single Honestly. And you had to, like you were saying earlier, you had to keep track of it all. Yeah. Exactly. Editing a, th- a filler is the worst thing ever. It's really <laughs> awful. Like your editor will say, oh, can you make this character's hair brown? They probably won't say that, but it's just kind of like, right. But then um, you realize that if you make their hair brown, a few chapters ago, something specific about hair color, like it, right, it's to right. the whole entire plot. So yeah. that would be so frustrating and being like this, this minute little I thing know. and be like, no, I know. but I'm, I'm going to say it again. Still a big fan that you killed off Jamie. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so if it's okay with you, we've just got a few more questions. This one is from um, another listener, Shauna. She's wondering, knowing that you wrote this at such a young age, I would like to know more of your personal biography. Did you write from the perspective of some of your own experiences in high school? Is there a character or characters that you easily identify with or relate to? We touched about this on this a little bit, but if there's anything else you'd like to add. Um, I don't think I relate to any of my characters um, in a very like, I don't think I closely relate to them, but I think that if I was to relate to one of them more, it's probably Devon because I grew up working class. And um, yeah, I kind of um, had to, in university, I came into a very white space mm-hmm. and had to navigate my way through that. And not only was it white, it was very like a lot of wealthy people. Um, and so, yeah, I also have been writing since I was a child. Like I wrote my first book when I was 10 and I gave it to my teacher and she was so like nice about it and she like read it in front of me it was very short but like um, it really made me feel happy seeing her expressions and stuff and um she was always like you know when you become an author and you have a published book you need to you need to talk about me oh what's her name "Uh, her name is miss hollingberry (laughs) oh my goodness that's such a wholesome name too (laughs) it is she's the best and she has white hair she looks like a fairy 
I love it. That's so sweet. Have you touched base with her now that your book has been published? I really want to, but um, because <clears throat> of the pandemic, I haven't been able to go back oh. in. So I, live, I still live close to my um, my school from when I was younger. Right. Um, and I think she still works there. So I've actually met her again. So she taught me when I was in, trying to think what it would be in America. Um, I think it would have been fourth grade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she taught me when I was in fourth grade. And then um, when you're in the ninth grade in in the UK, you have to do work experience. Oh. And so when I was in the ninth grade, I had to pick what I wanted to do for work experience. I decided to go back to my primary school and um, be her personal assistant. So Aww. I've seen her, like, the last time I saw her was when I was 15. Oh my goodness, that's so sweet. Yeah. I, you, if you go and you give her a book or something, you'll have to document it. That would be so cool. I think I definitely will. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. Um, so I read that after you secured your book deal, your mother had to confirm with you that you were still going to stay in school. Um, yeah. How has your family responded now with the like great success of your first book? I think um so other than my immediate family I've got um two sisters and one brother and then my mum um they like everybody else in my family I've just been very shocked because same with my friends because I am very private so mm-hmm. I got my original book deal in 2018 when I was in my second year of university mm-hmm. and then um like I just didn't tell anyone because I found it very awkward um, oh my god I feel like that would be me yeah. that would be <laughs> oh my god it's like such a big deal and you're like I'm just gonna keep this to myself (laughs) exactly they found out from actually there's um so in the UK a publication called The Guardian like made like an article about my book and so I started getting messages from people and I had to delete social media because I was like I don't really want to respond to them this is very awkward oh my goodness you're funny (laughs) I love that that's awesome (laughs) I love that so much that's funny um I gotta ask, what team are you on? Audiobooks, ebooks, or physical books? Definitely audiobooks. I'm dyslexic, yeah. so audiobooks are the best. <laughs> that was um, Angeline Bully's answer as well. Yes. <laughs> she loves audiobooks. Yeah. I'm the odd one out here. Chantel's not on board with them quite I'm yet. Not on board. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, does Ace of Spades have an audiobook? It does. Oh my God. It's amazing. I really love the, um, actually did an interview with the, uh, audiobook narrators for uh-huh. the book as well. And they're just brilliant. They're really lovely. And, um, the person that plays Shemaka, Jeanette Illich, she like went to a predominantly white school as well. And she really connected to that. And the person that, um, plays Devon, he's queer and black and he really like felt connected to the characters. So seeing their takes on it was just so nice. That's very cool. That is really cool. Yeah, it's like a yeah. whole other element when mm-hmm. you can hear them. Mm-hmm. I love knowing that background too. Yeah, me too. I like the background mm-hmm. for that. Well, maybe that will be my first <gasps> audiobook. There you go. I'll re-listen to You're it. gonna convert her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Last question. What is your favorite book? Oh gosh, this is so difficult. I feel like um... or books or books or like current favorite or anything recently like read that. it was yeah. good. Yeah. So I'm going to quickly go to my Goodreads and oh, see yeah. what I last. I, I'm, one that's coming into my mind right now is um, is The Death of Vivek Oji by Akweke Mezi. Okay. Um, Akweke Mezi is one of my favorite authors of all time. They're like this one, like wonderful and extremely talented Nigerian author. 
and um, I actually did my my uh, undergraduate thesis on their book. Oh, cool! Um, their YA book, Pet. Um, I also love. Um, let me see. I'm just scrolling. I'm thinking of edi- ending things by Ian Reid. Okay. I thought it was just so sad, and I really like sad books. Sometimes I'm not sure why. Sometimes <laughs> um, you just need it. Sometimes you just need a book mm-hmm. to cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also really love Fangs by Sarah Anderson, which is a graphic novel. And it's like just a funny, heartwarming story about like the relationship between a vampire and a werewolf. Um, Okay. And it's just so lovely. And they're just, it's really, it's just so funny. Like you see their little fights about each other and stuff. And it's just so cute. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing those with us. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to pick one of those for our next read. Maybe. Yeah. Keep the trend going. Keep the trend going. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. Is there anything that you would like to add? Um, Any parting words? No pressure. If you want to just say goodbye, that's fine too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think just any parting words is just that, um, you know, if you're someone that is like marginalized in any way, um that you like you're deserving of happiness basically I just really love to like highlight that because I think often when you have any type of marginalization you're often made to feel like you're worthless so I really hope that people know that they are they, they're deserving of happiness mm-hmm. oh that's beautiful yeah beautiful For sure. I felt I felt that way like that really was conveyed in the epilogue yes. and I really loved that and I think that's probably why maybe Caitlin and I loved the epilogue so mm-hmm. much it gave hope to like yeah. not just the people in the book, but yeah. everybody. Yeah. 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 It was beautiful. Thank you so much. Beautiful book. Thank you for writing. Thank it. you for writing that book. <laughs> it was so good. Thank you. Um, and thanks for joining yeah, us this evening. For... We appreciate yeah, it so we much. Really do. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a lovely time speaking with you guys. Oh, well, thank you. Aww, thank I you. hope you can have a good sleep yeah, now. Maybe you can go to bed <laughs> now and have a tea and go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> All oh right. my goodness. Thank you. Thank Have a good you. evening. Have a good evening. Bye. Bye. I hope everybody enjoyed the bonus episode with Frida. We'll be back here next week. And just a reminder, we're reading um Not a Happy Family by Sherry Lapina. And we're gonna read chapters, um, well, I guess prologue through to chapter 14. So we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us over at the Book Club Babes Facebook group for book discussions and to make your book recommendations or on Instagram at bookclubbabes.pod. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can email us at bookclubbabes.pod at gmail.com or contact us on our website at bookclubbabes.ca. If you love the Book Club Babes podcast, please tell a friend about us. And until next time, bye! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.